HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer Distributors. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a special summer of 2017 show. We're with Rob Todd, the founder of Allagash Brewing, and we're recording for July Good Beer Month at a great Good Beer Seal Bar, Swift, Swift's Hibernian Lounge on 4th Street in the, the East Village, a, a great old school beer bar that uh, has been one of, one of our favorites for a long time. And, you know, we, we tried to get Rob Todd on the show for a while. Um, we've, we've had him on before with, like, the three Saison Day. And I just want to say, uh, Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's say, like, just what you were just saying, uh, let's tell us what, what beers we're going to taste today, because I, I know you planned out what you wanted us to taste. Yeah, we got four beers today, and, uh, I mean, the, at the brewery we do, I don't even know how many beers we do. I get asked all the time, how many beers do you guys have? And I actually don't even know the answer, but it's dozens and dozens, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about our innovation program today, but... Um, we decided to just go with uh, core beers. Um, I mean, these are all beers that we at the brewery love drinking. Um, these are the beers that I usually see our brewers walking out with a case on their shoulder, and they're the beers I spend a lot of time drinking. So we figured we we you know we can sure talk about um, some of the more limited, innovative beers we do. But I thought it'd be fun to just kind of go back to the core for this tasting. You know, that's great. It's also summer, you know, and summer is about drinking beer. And so many of the beers that you have are, are so drinkable. 
They are. It, you know, that's one of the things we're big believers in at the brewery. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to Allagash White. Cheers. Cheers. You know, w- w- one of the things that uh, is important to me as a brewer and is really important to our culture at the brewery is to have balance in our beers. And with balance in beers, you have complexity. I mean, if you have one flavor like big malty sweetness that overwhelms everything else in the beer, then, I don't know, it kind of takes the fun out of the beer. You figure the beer out after the first sip or two. Whereas if you have a lot of com- a balance, you have complexity and it kind of keeps you guessing as you're drinking the beer. And I think the other thing that you get out of a more complex balanced beer is drinkability. So all of our beers, they tend to be pretty like drinkable, complex beers. I mean, you can, you can have a few of them and still be enjoying them after a couple and the beers continue to keep you guessing with some of the subtle characters in it just because of the complexity. And and they they all end up being pretty good summer beers. Even the (laughs) final one that we try, which is the triple. Well, it's like July 20th, 2017. It's it's one of my wife's favorite beers, Allagash White. It's so funny because she she, she hears it or sees it on a menu and she kind of pops up. She goes, Allagash White. And do other people have that reaction? You know, you get your sales reps here. You guys say hi, Dave and Carrie. Hello, Allagash. <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think um, I think Allagash White is kind of an old faithful for a lot of beer beer people. Um, not only novices, but um, some aficionados too. I, I think, like you said, you see people see it on the menu, and it's it's some, something that they're comfortable with and they're comfortable drinking. And uh, yeah, you're right. I see a lot of people that eyes light up when they see it, and they know what they're going to get. They know that it's drinkable. They know it's low ABV, so they can have one or two and hang out for the evening. So, yeah, we love it, and uh, it's it's a, a big part of what we do on the sales team. You know, Rob, you know, you guys been growing a long time. You know, known your beers for a long time. Let's go back to like the early days. You know, some anecdotes. A friend of mine, he's writes for Illustrated News, Dan Kokachian. He said that they're one of the early Portland uh, beer fests. You were sitting on a dunk tank as as part of the promotion. I can only remember about 10 years back, so that's kind of... No, I just, no, no, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I started the brewery 23 years ago. We've been, we just celebrated our 22nd anniversary of selling beer. Um, we sold the first pint back in July of 95. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while, but, you know, I had totally forgotten about that dunk tank till you mentioned it. But I remember when, when Dan was there and that old, I mean, the, the old uh, Portland Brewfest, my first year I had no employees. So I was loading the kegs in my car and my pickup truck, you know, early that morning, driving them down to the fest, setting everything up on my own, pouring on my own, breaking down after two sessions on my own and, you know, that's kind of how things were back there. You, you know, you had to do everything. And he, even I, I finally hired my first employee, uh, Ned White, great guy. He was with us for five years. And actually, he's running a distillery in Portland, Maine now, making some amazing spirits. Uh, just came out with a with a bourbon that's delicious. They're New England distilling? New England yeah, distilling, I've had exactly. some, I like their gunpowder rye a lot. Exactly. Yeah. That's them. They're right around the corner from us. We still stay in real close touch with them and... We trade barrels back and forth for barrel aging. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of work back then, and I pretty much worked seven days a week. But it was fun. And, you know, days like that at the Maine Brewers Guild uh, – or, yeah, the Maine Brewers Guild Festival, um, you know, being in that dunk tank, it, it was a blast. A lot of, lot of good memories. 
I wish I'd, I was just saying earlier, I wish I'd written some of this stuff down because yeah, I kind of do. I joke around about only being able to remember 10 years back, but I mean, so much has happened over the past 22 years. You end up forgetting about a, a lot of those things till someone reminds you. Wow. And you know, and now jumping ahead, you know, I know you've been active in the Brewers Association. There's so much controversy with AB InBev, which I don't really want to talk about, but I want to talk more about the role of, you know, the Brewers Association. I know you're the, the chair now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what are some of the initiatives and, and just, you know, thoughts you have about that? Being well, a leader the Brewers Association <laughs> exists to promote and protect uh, small and independent brewers in this country. Um, there are over 5,000 brewers now. And, you know, it's just amazing the impact that small and independent brewers are having uh, nationally in essentially every community. I mean, there really isn't a community in the country now that doesn't have a craft brewery. And uh, these brewers are providing jobs. I mean, we're, we're inefficient. Small breweries, we are incredibly inefficient. And that's something we should be proud of and it's something we should talk about because all that inefficiency means jobs. And those over 5,000 small and independent brewers um, – are employing over 130,000 people in this country. You know, the innovation is amazing. Um, if you think about it, if you wind the clock back 30 years ago, which isn't that long ago, really, um, all the beer in the country was being brewed in just a few facilities, and beer had really been commoditized. Now we've moved a tremendous amount of production into over 5,000 breweries. So the, uh, the innovation is just unbelievable. Um, again, 30 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of in innovation and there were only a few breweries. Now you've got innovation happening at, in five, at 5,000 breweries at, in thousands of communities all over the country. So it's just making the beer experience so much richer for customers. And, uh, of course, these breweries have – they've uh, – contributed these gathering places in almost every community. If you come out to Allagash um, on a Saturday, there are hundreds of people in the industrial park. They're visiting us. They're visiting um, our friends at Foundation Brewing, our friends at Austin Street, Battery Steel, Geary's around the corner. Um, and these are gathering places that just didn't exist 20 or so years ago. You know, these craft breweries of have been participating in urban renewal. I mean, right across the bridge here in Brooklyn, you know, I think it would be pretty fair to say that Brooklyn Brewing um, had a huge amount to do with the revitalization of the Williamsburg community. And there are examples of that all, all over the country. But all of those small and independent brewers, they need an organization that's going to go to bat for them. Um, once you're... Once a small and independent brewer is purchased by one of the big brewers, they're fundamentally different, and uh, they, they have resources that the small and independent brewer doesn't have. They have access to raw materials. They have access to distribution. They have access to retail. You know, th those, those brewers, once they're acquired, they don't really need the BA to go to bat for them. But the small and independent brewers do need the BA to go to bat for them, and... Uh, you know, I can I can talk on and on about this, but I'm I'm just a huge uh, believer in uh, the BA in the in the in the functions that the BA um, is involved with. That's great. We have a long show. We're going to cover a, a yeah. lot of points. Just one note about you know the, the big guys, um, you know the supply chain hops in South Africa. You know what does that represent? Do, does it matter that you know the big guys own? all the hops in South Africa? Do you even use hops from South Africa? Like, what's the big picture? 
Well, when you have a we we don't use any hops from South Africa at Allagash, but you know one of the functions of the BA is looking out for uh, small brewers' access to raw materials. We, I mean, we wouldn't have all this innovation right now if brewers didn't have access um, to the hop varieties they need, to the uh, uh, grain varieties, to aluminum to put their beer in cans. Um, one of the BA's functions is to make sure that our members have access to all these raw materials. And of course, you know, there are a number of articles about the, the hops um, in South Africa. And that's the kind of thing that's on the radar of the Brewers Association. Absolutely. And, you know, another reason why every small and independent brewer in this country ought to be a member of the BA, um, because we're much stronger as, as an organization with everyone on board, and we can do a much better job ensuring that everyone has access to these raw materials. The, the big global brewers are, are very powerful, and they can influence the, su- the supply chains. If uh, all of us small and independent brewers stick together, we're strong as over 5,000 brewers, and collectively, we can start to influence those supply chains as well if we work together. And you mentioned that you have there's 130,000 people working in craft breweries in America. That translates to votes for some people. And, you know, are there any other, like, agendas or, or political, you know, plans that you guys have. One thing is that we know that a brewer, Hickenlooper, is governor of Colorado. So, you know, where is this taking us in America? You know, there's so much awareness, um, both at the federal level among lawmakers and at state levels, for the contributions that small and independent brewers are making in this country. We've had an an initiative at the federal level um, to reduce the excise taxes that small and independent brewers uh, pay. I mean, we at Allagash will pay well over a million dollars this year just in federal um, excise taxes. That's in addition to the taxes that we pay, you know, the, as a business in this country. Um, and we pay those excise taxes, and all brewers do, whether they make or lose money. Um, we pay them on a state level as well. But we've had an initiative at the federal excise ta- at the uh, federal level to reduce those excise taxes. And, you know, one of the huge impacts that that initiative has had is we've spent a lot of time in D.C., we small and independent brewers, um, just talking about our businesses, um, talking about the contributions we're making to the community. And you go five five or six years ago before uh, this effort and in, in initiative, a lot of senators and congresspeople, they weren't familiar with what we were doing and the contributions that we were making. But after those visits, after all these hundreds and hundreds of visits to D.C., they know our story. You know, it's funny, when, I, when I'll go in and talk to Senators Collins uh, or, or Senator King, both who have been very supportive of our industry. Main senators. Yes, there are main, there are main senators. Um, five years ago, when I walked into those offices, I'd have, I'd have to explain kind of what we're all about. Now, when I go into those meetings, they know us. They know there are over or about 100 breweries in Maine. They know we're employing a lot of people in Maine, and we're one of the most viable manufacturing and, and quickest-growing manufacturing industries in the state of Maine. You know, they know the innovation that's coming from these breweries. They know we're providing gathering places. So, you know, it, they know our stories. So efforts like that um, have made a made a big impact in kind of spreading the word of the contributions that we're making. 
we'll talk about your work in the Brews Association. You know, um, we're also drinking. We drank Allagash White, and our second beer is the Sierra Nevada uh, Keller Ice. And when you walked in, you got a little beard now, and you've got a kind of a plaid Allagash shirt. And I thought, wow, it looks like you're getting inspiration from uh, Ken Grossman <laughs> at Sierra Nevada. I think every brewer in this country has had inspiration from Sierra Nevada. I mean, they are um, really, um, really a leader on a lot of fronts. You know, besides being pioneers in the industry um, and just making amazing beers and you know, they introduced a lot of beer lovers to craft beer, of course, because they've been around since the 80s. But, you know, they do a, f- a phenomenal job on the, on the quality side. And we've done a couple of collaboration brews with them. They've been a pleasure to work with. And, you know, we and many, many, many small and independent brewers in this country just have a tremendous amount of respect for them and the work that they do. And, yeah, the, the Keller Weiss is, is one of my favorites. I obviously love the pale ale. Um, it's... I very often have that in my fridge, but this Keller Weiss, it's a perfect beer for a nice warm day cheers, like this. Cheers to you, cheers. Robert, and, uh, David and Carrie. Cheers. And what's the second beer? Why don't you pour that? Um, cheers. We'll pour that cheers. and uh, tell us what that one is. So we've got a really cool program at the brewery, and this beer really came out of that program, and a lot of our beers now uh, have come out of this program. Um if anyone at the brewery, regardless of what they do, whether they're in our guest relations store greeting visitors and, and welcoming visitors to the brewery or working on an accounting department lab, if they have an idea for an innovative beer, they can talk to Jason, our brewmaster, and brew it on a little 10-gallon Jason system. Perkins, right? Jason yeah. Perkins, exactly, has been with us um, for, I think, about 18 years now. Um, does an amazing job at the brewery. And uh, they, they can talk with Jason and brew the beer that they cut, that they cooked up on this on this little ten gallon system, and a lot of those beers have become full scale production beers. Uh, so we we at Allagash don't have a two person innovation department, just Jason and me. We have a hundred and thirty person innovation department. Every employee at the brewery is innovating. I mean, we have so many passionate, just engaged employees. No one just comes in and, and punches in and does their job and punches out and leaves um, everyone's constantly thinking how can we be more innovative how can we improve quality um, how can we give more to the community through our philanthropy program so everyone's kind of working away on these initiatives and innovation's no exception so this this beer is the hoppy table beer um, where it just came out this uh, this January and we've really been playing around with this beer on that little 10 gallon system for I played around with it for over two years before we released it, but it's called Hoppy Table Beer. Uh, the, the table beer component is uh, uh, just suggests the sessionability of this beer. You know, it, it's uh, pretty low alcohol, four point eight percent, so real sessionable table beer, um, and it's a very hop forward beer, uh, not a bitter beer. But it's got big, fresh hops in the taste and nice, fresh hops in the aroma. But no bitter. You know, we're on our second of keg of uh, Hoppy Table Beer at Jimmy's number 43. Oh, no Just came in today. Thanks. Right. So Cheers. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
1996, Sheehan Family Companies, formerly El Knife and Son, acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn. Union Beer has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Brooklyn and parts of Queens through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, and Long Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education at all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the seven counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's our special show for July Good Beer Month. We're at Swift Bar on, in the East Village with Rob Todd from Allagash and his crew. So you guys, Carrie and Dave, we're drinking the, the Hoppy Table beer. What do you think of it and how has it been received? Uh, uh, I'm a huge fan of this beer. Um, IPAs were always uh, one of my favorite styles to drink. Obviously, I find myself drinking a little bit more Belgian-inspired beers these days. But um, I think it's incredibly approachable. Um, like Rob said, you know, lower in alcohol, you can drink a few of them. It's not going to overwhelm your palate, but it does have that super uh, light and bright drinkability to it. Um, so I'm a huge fan. Uh, I think New York has been doing super well with it. Um, yeah, it tends to be doing really well, uh, especially as our second brand. It's pretty diverse compared to white, um, so it's pretty neat that... Boy, and what about you, David? Yeah, from a from a purely from a sales perspective, um, it, it's been fantastic to get other uh, types of beer that Allagash makes into the into the mainstream uh, beer consumer area. Uh, it's the only beer that we have that's lime priced with white, so it's given a lot of bar owners and consumers a chance to try something else that we make. Um, I think a lot of people, because the white is so popular, think that all we make are wheat beers. So it's nice to have something um, that they can put on draft or in the bottle that that is as approachable as white, but it's not a wheat beer. And it's also at our lowest pricing tier. So it's been fantastic. And uh, it's, it's quickly great. moved into our number two position. Yeah, it's, it's hidden, whatever. But especially, like I said, what I'm drinking for summer, Allagash Hoppy Cheers. Let's go back. So, you know, white, I know everyone knows the story that Allagash White kind of is what took you guys off. And mm. like I said, it's my wife's favorite beer. How did you get into the Cool Ship program? Talking about the, the weird stuff. You can only get a lot of that stuff at the brewery, right? Yeah, you know, and kind of the history of that um just the the weird stuff comment i mean it's all of our beers have kind of been in that vein they've been really kind of different beers that have pushed the boundaries and it's kind of hard to envision the white fitting into that kind of bucket now but when you think of it 22 years ago hardly anyone was doing a cloudy beer um and especially a cloudy beer that was fermented with a traditional belgian yeast strain spiced with coriander and orange peel so it was it was really a you know a unique beer at the time 22 years ago and you know I uh, when we started we had pretty limited resources we were on a shoestring budget so I cobbled together the brewery did a lot of the welding and electrical and plumbing spent about a year building it 
And I, I, as I was thinking about uh, different beer styles to potentially make, um, I figured if I was going to spend a year building this brewery, probably my lifetime running it, if I could, if I could get it to um, be sustainable and stay in business, I didn't really see the point in making something that people could already get. I wanted to do something unique, um, give people an experience with beer maybe that they had never had before. I mean, why spend your whole life making something that people could already get? And I looked at the white as an opportunity to do that, to really give people a unique experience with beer. And we feel like just the Belgian brewing tradition in general um, gives us, it really gives us an almost unlimited palette of raw materials to draw from. Um, and give people unique experiences. Um, and, you know, the, the Cool Ship program, our spontaneous beers, it, that's uh, no exception to that. Um, uh, you, you know, at least everyone here at the table has all had the Lambic beers. And, and those are beers that uh, we've always loved at the brewery. Beers like uh, Cantillon and Tilken and Bone and Dre Fontaine. And, I mean, they're just unbelievable, you know, complex beers with just this rich history um you know, your, your greatest value is the allagash triple i mean whether it's on draft or in bottle i mean it's it's a classic style uh, you know what what i mean it's not inspirations but you know did you travel to belgium a lot you know you really got it down with, with some of these beers you know th- for the first uh 10 or so years I, I didn't go to belgium a whole lot i was i was busy brewing beer um, I went there on my honeymoon. I dragged my wife there. She was very tolerant to go on a honeymoon, you know, to visit breweries and to taste beers, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't the only thing we did. We saw some museums. We had some great food and toured around, uh, toured around Belgium. But, you know, honestly spent a lot of time focusing on breweries. Um, but that was really my first trip to Belgium. Um, that was in the late 90s. And... Uh, I really don't think I went back till 2006 when I was invited on a trip to Belgium by Sam from Dogfish. Sam invited me, uh, Adam from Avery, Vinny from Russian River, and Tommy from Port Abbey to go on a trip to really focus on just tasting the Lambic beers, the spontaneous beers. And we had an amazing trip. That's really what kind of inspired me and excited me about trying our hand at the spontaneous beers. Um, since then, I've been back to Belgium, I, I don't even know, dozens and dozens of times. And we have a ton of good friends over there. We're always welcomed with open arms. I love going over there. And yeah, not a, not a trip to Belgium passes where we don't come back with some little inspirational nugget from the trip. There are a couple of the Belgian breweries that you recommend other people to visit. You know, there's so many breweries and so many beers. Yeah, there's some amazing breweries over there. I mean, one of the one one brewery that just it never gets old, and I think I've gone there on almost every trip to Belgium is Cantillon. It's just an amazing place. It's like it really is like walking back into time. Um, I mean, not only are the beers phenomenal, and not only um, are uh, Jean and his father and sister just really genuinely great people. Um, it's just an amazing place to see and experience, you know, especially if you go on a day like Open Brew Day. I don't know if you've ever been to Open Brew Day. No, what's that? They they open the doors while no, they're... No, what's bre- that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They open the doors <laughs> while they're Perry. brewing. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you can show up there at six in the morning and watch Jean mash in and 
really watch the whole process during the day and, of course, try some phenomenal beers while you're watching it. Uh, it's, Did you ever it, run your hand through the corner and steal some uh, cobwebs? Or oh, anything? yeah. I haven't <laughs> done that. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a pretty, especially as a brewer, it's a pretty intense experience. I mean, you feel like you're stepping back into time because they're brewing beer the same way on the same equipment that they would have ma- been making beer 100 years ago. Oh, man. This is great. It's really, it's really great having you here. There's so many questions I have for you. Some of them are about what's going on now. Like you're in New York for the, the Ice Culinary Institute. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your relationship with with that. Is that part of philanthropy? Is that part of spreading the word for your brewery? It's kind of a, a little of a bunch of things. Uh, beer and food have been a very important part of our culture at Allagash since day one, and I've been doing beer dinners for well over 20 years um, I'm a huge believer in the opportunities um, of pairing beer with food which again you know it's hard to sometimes to transport ourselves back to what things were like 20 years ago but you know 20 years ago people really weren't talking about beer and food a whole lot they maybe talk about wine and food but not beer and food nowadays of course because a lot of the work um, that again, the 5,000 small and independent brewers have done in this country to kind of elevate beer. People do talk about beer and food and, and people look at beer as providing as many or more opportunities to, to bring out unique flavors with food and food bring out the unique flavors with beer, you know, possibly even more so than, than with wine, just because of the amazing diversity in, in the world of beer, um, flavor wise and aroma wise. Um, so that's been that's been an important part of our culture since day one, and uh, it, as part of that story, 16, 17 years ago, we contacted a number of cooking schools because we were interested, kind of on the philanthropy side, um, to look at doing a scholarship for students at one of the culinary schools. Um, it, you know, the idea was these students could cook with beer, they could pair these dishes with beer. And we'd award the winner a scholarship. Um, and part of that was just uh, kind of introducing this concept of pairing beer with food to culinary s- students in the country. And uh, the school that got back to, it, back to us was the Institute of Culinary Education. At the time, I think they were on 23rd and Broadway. Now they're down um, World Trade Center area. Um, but we held our first contest 15 years ago. And uh, we've done it every year since. I've been at every one. I, I had to miss one uh, a couple of years ago, but I've been to every single one of them. And, you know, we, we did an amazing one last night. Um, back in the old days, not a whole lot of people showed up at these events. Last night, what would you guys say? 100 people showed up? It, yeah, yeah, at, at least. least. Yeah, it was, it was a great evening. A lot, of, a lot of great accounts, a lot of great wholesaler partners, uh, a lot of great food uh, and great times in you know, it was like a competition. You, you know, how many students were, were cooking? So I believe every student had the option to apply to be considered, and then the top three recipes were chosen. And each year they uh, provide a theme for the evening. So this was a quick weeknight like dinner. So we had 45 minutes, no prep time involved, and then had to pair with our newest release, Hoppy Table Beer. Um, it so was what would you do? <laughs> Pasta. Yeah, right? There were some pretty ambitious dishes. Rob can speak a little bit more to the dishes themselves. But, uh, yeah, it was like a live TV show where everyone was kind of gathering around and they had the cameras on them. So What, what did cool. you like? What were the best dishes? 
There was a soft shell crab sandwich that I was pretty envious of by the end of the evening. That's a good quick pretty dish. dynamite, yeah. And it's funny, I honestly don't remember the one that won last night. That that soft shell was unbelievable, <laughs> though. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. It was a, The night was kind of a blur because there were just so many people there. Um, it, it, it was a blast. Uh, What's nice is, as Carrie mentioned, they uh, narrow it down internally to three finalists, and all three win because there are three scholarships. So that's really fantastic that everyone's a winner in terms of the students. So it's just a great, it's just a great event. Yeah, I mean, it really is kind of part of our philanthropy program. The, the winner wins $2,000 that they can use to advance their culinary career and a trip to the brewery. So we'll host, we'll host them at the brewery. Uh, second place is a $1,000 scholarship. Third is a $500 scholarship. And we, we've got, I mean, the first 10 years we were in business, we basically didn't have a philanthropy program. Uh, Speaking of uh, beer, cheers, well with cheers, food. cheers. <laughs> Just poured out some Ash which is one of my favorites that pairs with food. Um, incredibly dry, 6.1%. Um, stands really well with salty and like richer, fattier foods. So definitely one of my favorites and kind of crisp and super refreshing. So another great summer beer as we all kind of noted on earlier. Yeah, well, you can't have a philanthropy program when you're just starting out. So, Well, yeah, I mean, the first 10 years we were really living hand-to-mouth at the brewery and just kind of scraping by. And um, But finally the brand got some traction, and we launched our philanthropy program, I think, 10 or 12 years ago. And, we've, it, you know, one of the great things about uh, growth at the brewery is our philanthropy program has grown. And um, just this last year in 2016, we were able to give about $330,000 back to the local community. And it, 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 both our local community and other communities like New York through this, through this cooking program. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty diverse uh, philanthropy program. It goes to things like uh, we established a, a scholarship fund for pediatric nurses at Maine Medical Center for their further education. Um, we give to some local arts in Portland and historic the preservation of some historic buildings. Um, a lot of sustainable and small and local agriculture. Uh, so it, it, it's it's really a pretty diverse philanthropy program. And in, in this partnership with Institute of Culinary Education has just been a ton of fun, and it's been fun to see this relationship just continue to grow. So there's another argument for local craft breweries. And I remember the Eric from Left Hand, I interviewed him a couple years ago, and he was talking the same way. There was some disaster in Colorado, and the breweries organized, and they were able to donate beer, which raised funds. Yeah. Eric's a great friend of mine. He's vice chair now of the Brewers Association, so he'll be chair soon. And I was actually, he, he was in Portland uh, just a few days ago for a really cool Pilsner Fest that Oxbow and a brewery from Italy hosted in Portland, Maine in a beautiful spot, beautiful day. It was actually a lot of fun for me because it was a Pils Fest. We don't make a Pils, so I was able to go there and just <laughs> enjoy beer like, you know. Yeah, that was, uh, talk about festivals, that was the most talked about beer fest in a while. Yeah, it was a, a lot of the photos of it. I heard about it. it. It wasn't like a Bonnaroo or some other music fest. It was really something about I don't know, it seemed like authentically Portland. I hope they have it again. It'll be on my schedule for sure. I, I had a lot of fun at it. Some phenomenal beers. You know, there's nothing like drinking a um, a craft brewed pills on a 70 degree day on the water side in Portland, Maine. It was fun. And, um, you know, Oxbow put it on and they're, they're great friends. They're just some amazing breweries in Portland and Oxbow's 
absolutely one of them. They, they're doing some amazing stuff there. Cheers to you guys. Cheers. And then Dave, Cheers. do you get to go up to Cheers. Portland Cheers. a lot? I know you're a New, one of the New York City reps. I do, yeah. I, um, In the grand scheme of things, I, I feel like I live pretty close. If you time it just right and you avoid certain rush hours, you can get there in about five and a half hours. Um, so absolutely, the sales team goes up three times a year. And sometimes the sales managers will meet more often than that. So it's always something that, that brings a smile to my face when I see that on the calendar to uh, to pack up the, uh, the Allagash company car and head up 95 to the brewery. So, yeah, um, at least three times a year the sales team will make it to the brewery. Cool. We and, Karen, for you, like, a, you know, I'd open this to questions if there were more people. I'd say, Karen, what's a question you've always wanted to ask Rob? Ooh. Then you're not working for Maybe what would be your next core beer? You mean the Good one question. that I'm drinking a lot of in addition to the, or, or just. Yeah, I guess. I mean, because I know we have so many beers that I think are so well loved, and I know, I know, but like would be my favorite beer that we would add to the lineup. You know, I, I've been, you, you guys know me, I, I always drink the white. I drink a ton of the white, and it's funny, I've been drinking it for well, one of the, and I will answer your question. I sometimes just get sidetracked because all these things pop in my head, you know, but uh, um, when I started, the only thing I was worried about, and I should have been worried about many more things than this, is that I wouldn't like the beer that we came up with. I knew I was going to launch with one beer to keep things simple, and I was really, really worried that if I didn't like it, I wouldn't be able to sell it because I can't go out and sell something that I don't believe in. Luckily, I fell in Hear love you with on the beer. Hear you. Yeah, I fell in love with the beer, and now, I mean, it's it's really not all I think about when I walk into a bar or when I open my fridge, but I, I just absolutely still love drinking it. I mean, I, I love it. Um, you guys know it. That's what I drink. Even at promos where we have 15 of our beers, I'm always falling back to the, to the white. You know, it's it's so complex. It's so drinkable. I'm still discovering these new subtle flavors in it. You know, if I'm eating something with it that I've never paired with it before or if I'm in a, I don't know, a different environment, you dis, you discover. But anyway, to, so I don't know. I think I'm always going to be stuck in the white. But I've really been drinking a lot of the hoppy table beer lately. We never come out with new beers just to come out with a new beer, just to have another tap handle, just to have another space on the shelf set. We, When we come out with a new beer, we really work hard to make sure it's value added to the beer drinker, that it's something different, completely different than anything else that we that we offer. And, you know, that's that's one, I think, important point because we're, we're drinking our four core beers today and these beers – as, as, as we're all seeing as we drink them, these are completely different beers. That They really are. Um, and the Hoppy Table beer is completely different than anything we've done before. And I'm, I'm digging no, it's, it lately. It's a great addition. Yeah. And, uh, hey, we're going to take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Session Radio. Hi, I'm Sam Ben Ruby, host of the Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. Tune in every Wednesday at 6 p.m. to hear some of the best people in wine tell you about what's going on in the world of wine. Support my show and all of Heritage Radio Network's programming. 
Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Hey, we've got Rob Todd from Allagash. You guys know about Allagash? Well, we're drinking it, and uh, I'm digging the. Rob says he likes the white. I like I like the hoppy table beer, and we have the saison, which is great. So, guys, thanks for coming out. Um, you know, it's July Goodbeer Month. You guys are here doing some events at Ice Culinary in Manhattan, and tonight we have the Edible Good Beer event, which we're everyone's going to have a photo shoot with uh, Rob Todd tonight. So, hey, man, this is intense. I want you you, you talk so much about Allagash White just before the break. I want to ask you about, you know, we were inspired by the history of, of like, you know, wit beers, you know, like Pierre Salas and all that. Or, or, you know, how did you first discover the wit white style? I, 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 first of all, I just, I stumbled into the beer business. I didn't know anything about the craft beer industry, which back when I got my start in 93, uh, my first job working at a brewery, there really weren't too many craft brewers in the country. Almost all beer was being brewed and beer was commoditized. It was being brewed just in a few facilities. And then this craft beer movement came along. And there probably weren't really jobs either for that. No, and there weren't too many breweries in communities like there are now. There wasn't a lot of awareness for the industry. I I had gone to school in Vermont, spent two years in Colorado, went back to Vermont. I was going to go back back to school for geology and maybe be a geology professor. I was also toying around with the idea of being a woodworker. I love working with my hands. Um, and uh, I ended up getting a job washing kegs at a brewery in Middlebury, Vermont called Otter Creek. And absolutely fell in love with it after two days of working in the brewery. Honestly, I wasn't completely in love with just washing kegs, but <laughs> I was in love with everything that, that kind of surrounded me in the brewery. There was, you know, this huge science component that's obvious when you're in a brewery. There's the artistic kind of creative component with recipe formulation. There's the mechanical component with, component with all the pipes and pumps and electrical and uh, so in welding. So I was just fascinated by it. It ended up really in two days saying, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. I'm going to make beer. But one of the things we did at Otter Creek, um, I was only there for a year, but whenever any of the employees were visiting different communities and they could get their hand on craft brewed beer or imports, and, and again, you remember 22, 23, this is 24 years ago, uh, these beers weren't that available. So they'd bring them back to, to the brewery. And every couple weeks after work, we'd try these beers. And I was just fascinated by the Belgian-style beers that I tried. They were just completely unlike anything else. It seemed like, you know, Belgium is kind of off in its own world with respect um, to beer. And uh, one of the beers that I tried was the Celis White. Celis hadn't been around too long at the time. They actually had pretty broad distribution back then. Um, you could get it in Vermont, it, even though they were making it in Austin, Texas, and even though they'd only been around for a couple of years. But uh, I was just fascinated. Honestly, when I first tried it, I had the same reaction that I've seen for years when people first try a white beer, which is, whoa, you know, I haven't had anything like this. I didn't think beer could taste like this. And I, I was kind of just shocked by um, the look of the beer, the flavor of the beer. I hadn't had anything like it before. Um but after I, I, you know, I drank the first one and I was kind of intrigued to try another, I was in, I was in love with the style after 
two or three of them. Just fascinated by it. Just so drinkable, so complex, so unique. And so that that first try of Salus White back in 1993, that's what really inspired me to launch with a white beer. And, you know, we, like all of our beers, we don't try to duplicate um, any specific beers. Our white is, you know, much, much different than the Salus White that I tried back in 93. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still in love with the still in love with the style. You know, I'm just like you. It was actually Belgian beers that made me first like beer back then, too, like in 1993, 94. So cheers. I mentioned the triple earlier. I, I jumped the gun. I didn't even realize you had it. But I still think this is a beer when, whenever I, people still want Belgian beers. They want Trappist beers. I, 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 you know, for a while I was like, oh, we're only serving American craft beer, hoppy beers, IPA. And still people come into my place and then they want Trappist and classic, you know. So this is a great style. But Allegate, it's also a great price and a value and it's american it's a really interesting beer we've been i can making say more it. about it but i want you yeah to yeah say, you know we, we've been it. making this beer geez i think at least for 15 years i don't remember the first year we made it but uh it's a really cool beer and it just keeps growing and growing and growing for us uh the original concept with this beer was to really allow our house yeast to express itself kind of in a new way it's the same yeast we use for the white very, very simple kind of backdrop recipe-wise with this beer. It only has um, two-row barley malt, uh, Zotz hops, and uh, candy sugar. That's it. So it's an extremely simple recipe, um, but it's a 9% beer, so the yeast is doing a lot of work to make this beer. And because of that simple backdrop, the yeast really expresses itself. And, uh, you know, the other cool thing about this beer, it's 9%, but it's got a real kind of clean, dry character to it. There's a lot of fruitiness to it, but it finishes clean, so it's real drinkable for a 9% beer. Um, great beer to pair food with. You, you know what my favorite pair with this is? It is oysters. Made, made oysters, of course. Yeah. Triple but, uh, and oysters. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal wow. pairing. There, you know, it's funny. There's a, there's a restaurant in Portland called Eventide. They're very, very good friends of ours. Amazing place. And uh, they put the triple on tap. And honestly, I was kind of like, why don't you guys put the white on tap? It's our best-selling beer. It's the one I always like to drink. They put the triple on tap. And I never understood why until about two years later, I was in there eating oysters, drinking the white, which is a good pair with the oysters. It really is. And it's the beer I always pair with oysters. And then I was like, oh, let me have a let me have a glass of the triple. I had the triple and I was like, wow. Wow. You know, the pairing just blew me away. We're at Swift's in the East Village. Maybe we'll finish a the night with some oysters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we're contrarians, too. You know, I, I always liked the white. But, but I, I think I've served more of the triple in, in, in my day just because sometimes people want to try something different. You know? and, and I know you have a lot of options, but do you see that? There's, I think there's certain places that, that want to serve the, non, the not most popular beer. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that a lot of aficionados might consider this to be one of our more traditional offerings. So like you mentioned, at Jimmy's number 43, somebody that's coming in there that's looking for something Trappist or Benedictine or something really traditional, this is sort of what is in our wheelhouse that sort of fills that that niche. So, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, and I think a lot of people, including Jason Perkins, our brewmaster, is a huge fan of the triple, and he always speaks to the 
the, it being yeast forward and really showcasing our house yeast. And then we mentioned Celis White for wit beer. Is there a Belgian triple that, that you like a lot or aspire to or inspired by? You know, this one really didn't get inspired by any specific beer. It was more just something we were trying to create. And honestly, I think the beer itself really pushes the triple uh, style guidelines, style-wise. Um, it, it's kind of its own thing. It, you know, it, it wasn't inspired by any specific beer. It was more inspired by the mission of giving our house yeast inability to express itself in a way that it doesn't express itself um, in any of our other beers. I'm that's, almost talking about no, our yeast like a, like a person. That's or, a great yeah, uh, yeah. But, but, you know, yeast has, its, the, yeast has its own personality, yeah. you know. And, it's hard to find some other beers that are that drinkable for 9%. I think when you get to that level of alcohol, things tend to be super extreme. So the fact that it's as smooth and almost delicate and really approachable for being 9%, I think that's a huge appeal think, to a lot of Kara, people. Where are, you, where are you from and when did you start working for Alex? Where am I from? I'm from uh, Putnam County in New York, so just about an hour north of New York City, but I've been living down here for about four years and joined the Allagash team about a year ago. So Welcome. And Dave, I know you for a while, but where are you from? <laughs> I originally grew up in Maryland and uh, craft beer has taken me all over the East Coast. I've been in New York City now since 2012, so I've been with Allagash for five years. Awesome. Okay, last quick questions because we're going to wrap up soon. Uh, first thing, the back to the Brewers Association, the news, the, the latest, the independent craft beer label. It's gotten a lot of press. I think it's a good idea. You want to say anything about that? Yeah, uh, people really do care who makes their beer. You know, it's not just about the beer. It's about who makes the beer. And I think now that there's a brewery in every community – it, it's it's obvious to everyone the contribution that these small and independent brewers are making on all these fronts that we discussed innovation you know gathering places jobs you know people really appreciate and value the contributions they're making and people want to know is this beer being brewed by an independent brewer or not and this seal gives them a quick way to determine you know Okay, this beer is made by a small and independent brewer. They they want that information, and uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways, the line, the messaging and lines have been a little blurred, maybe, by by some of the bigger industrialized brewers. And this is it's a quick way for the consumer to know this is made by a small and independent brewer. This is made by a brewer. It's, that's it's so confusing now. In a lot of ways, there's there's so many brands that are owned by big guys it, it is confusing I, I think you guys did the right thing also because Carrie just poured me more of the Allagash triple nine percent so I'm just nodding yes Rob yes <laughs> Rob yeah 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 but it, I mean that, that's something to talk about it, it's true that I feel like the lines got blurred people are saying oh in my supermarket shop there's IPAs and, and there's some brands that we knew were independent craft but then you don't even know who owns them anymore? And sometimes I have, to, I have to Google and say, "Oh, what does so is so and so independent anymore?" And I, I think this is coming at the right time. I think it is too. And you know, there's opportunities that you, you, you're going to see breweries with it on their packaging. And you know, some, some of the smaller breweries that might not be able to get it right on their packaging, maybe they can put a static cling on their on their window, you know, right next to their door. Because obviously, there are a lot of breweries now who are doing a ton of their business direct to customers in communities and. You know, it's going to be 
important for customers to be able to see when they walk up to those breweries, you know, this is this is an independent brewery. Yeah, I mean, can, you know what it's like? It's like a few years ago, like, you know, Pepsi came out with this artisanal brand and they, they were suddenly appearing at every festival. And I remember the name of it. They're like, wow, this is great. It's made with cane sugar. It's old fashioned cola. People ask me about it. I said, guys, it's owned by Pepsi. It's the same thing. It's like sneaking in these brands to make you think you're it competes with the local ultimately competes with the local businesses I mean let's let's make that answer why is it important to support local I think for all the reasons we just talked about there there's there and it's interesting you see this local movement in in Arguably, you know, brewers in some ways kind of started this local movement on a lot of fronts. Breweries was one of the most. It, it, it's it dates it, it in a lot of ways. I feel like it predates like local coffee. In some ways, local food. I mean, this local beer movement started in the eighties, um, and you see a lot. I think because of that, and because of the visibility of that, I think it's driven the importance for. People to know now not only where their beer comes from, but where does where does my food come from? Where does my coffee come from? You know, it's it's really it's driven a tremendous amount of interest in local. And you know, it's an example everyone now can see in almost any community. In that community, there's there's probably a brewery, it's hiring local people. You know, contributing philanthropically in a lot of places to the community, maybe participating in urban development, innovating. And, and people now in every community, they see it and they see the value it's contributing. And they they very much appreciate that value. And that symbol that the Brewers Association now has with the upside down bottle, that tells the customer, you know, this is made by an independent brewery. And there's a tremendous amount of value. Cheers, and, and it's needed. Cheers. Like I said, a feeling I've almost been hoodwinked lately. I, I don't want to be hoodwinked anymore. Let's just wrap up talking more about beer and food pairings. You mentioned uh, Allagash Triple and oysters. It sounds good to me. You know, th- through the work you're doing in, in your brewery and with Institute of Culinary Education in New York, rattle off a couple other favorite food and beer pairings. You know, one of my favorites is the Curio, which is actually the beer we're drinking right now, the triple, aged in Jim Beam bourbon barrels. It pairs with a number of things, but I love Curio with cheesecake. I'm trying to go easy on things like cheesecake now because I get a lot of carbs, you know, in my liquid diet. But, uh, you know, with uh, with either cheesecake or creme brulee, you know, that curio is is just it's an amazing pairing. Um, You know, and and Carrie, I think your point with a Saison with with salty foods. Yeah, like a cheese and charcuterie plate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or even like a noodle bowl with some saison. Yeah, that's, I like that one. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, another fun one that I discovered once. It was actually at, at Save at the Saver event that the Brewers Association puts on annually in D.C. Uh, they had a Maytag blue cheese with our Allagash black, and I may not have, you know, I ne- I wouldn't necessarily have been able to cook up that pairing. It was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Whole night, I'm drinking black and eating that Maytag blue. Uh, that that was another home run pairing. That Ooh. sounds great. I love Thai food. Green curry and white is so good. I'm pretty sensitive with spice, so when I have a nice spicy dish, having like a nice refreshing white beer to kind of cool your palate down, hands down one of my favorite pairings. This is good because we're going to stick around at Swift Bar in the East Village and, and probably have a lunch and keep talking about this. And then... The, the Hoppy Table Beer, your, your new kind of standard beer, which I'm liking a lot. What would you pair with that, Dave? I 
think the, the direction we like is that that can pair with just about anything. And that was almost the theme of the ICE event last night. So it's whatever you're making on a weekday. You're not going out. You're not going to the grocery store. It's what you might have some leftovers in the fridge. It's, it's kind of our everyday offering that we think pairs with just about anything. So anywhere from chicken wings all the way to something, you know, a lot more, uh, a lot more experimental in the kitchen. And since this is Heritage Radio Network and we talk about food too, uh, Rob, the dorky food question, what's in your fridge at home? Beer-wise? Food. Oh, food-wise. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm lucky my wife is an amazing cook. Um, and uh, it's really cool. One, one of our employees, um, Abby, who is in our HR department, Abby and her husband, Jeff, have a really cool local farm. Um, you know, getting back into this just local movement and, and knowing where your food or your beer comes from. They have, a, they have a local farm and they have a farm share. And we have... Uh, tons of employees at the brewery that participate in that farm chair so that's one thing that's in our fridge every single week is wow. is that food that's going right that, down the road by one of our employees. that tells me that you're you're in the right place man uh, i look forward to visiting you guys come up, up to maine especially this time of year it is gorgeous thank, thanks for coming everyone uh big thanks to, to rob dave and carrie from allagash brewing this show will air in August 2017. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. Big shout out to our producer Justin Kennedy and engineer extraordinaire David Tadashore. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, woo!